The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. Amen. Listen, can, can I just tell you, over the last couple of weeks we were talking about this, this move of God, and when God moves, I, I, I'm really believing for a move of God in our city, in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm believing for a move of God in, in our church right here at Crossroads. I'm, I'm believing for a move of God like in, in individual, in my life, in, in your life. I know that when I say a move of God, there's a, a variety of probably responses to that phrase. Some excitement, some like, are we getting weird now? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know where your background is or what that term means. Let me just explain what I'm believing for. See, I believe that when God moves, that what that means is that we're going to begin to, to sense, we're going to begin to hear God's voice, voice with clarity that we've never known before. I believe God, God wants to move in your life in a way that you will hear his voice with a clarity that you've not ever known. I, I believe that when God really moves, and we, 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 we defined that like God moving a little bit a couple weeks ago when we started this series in, in, in Acts chapter 10, like God's deliberate and active involvement in our lives. When God shows up in those really specific ways, I, I believe that anxiety and fear and anger completely, are completely replaced by, by genuine joy and peace and love. See, that's what I believe happens when God moves. I believe that when God moves in our lives, that, that, that people in your life, People in your sphere of influence will be people who are far from God, who reject the notion of God, or just apathetic to God. I believe that people in your life will begin to trust Jesus with their life. When God moves, I believe that, that, that what's going to begin to happen is that every day you'll begin to wake up with a new sense of purpose, with a renewed sense that God has something specific for you today. Apathy done like mundane days over, like you will begin to wake up with a sense of purpose like you've never known when God moves in your heart and your life. I believe that when God moves, unusual things will begin to happen around you as God's blessings are poured out in places you never even expected. When God begins to work in your life, like it's hard to tell what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be good. So we started out, as we got into Acts chapter 10, we're going to turn there again today. We're going, to, we're going to finish Acts chapter 10 today. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. But as we got into Acts chapter 10, we started off, and we're going to look at the story here in just a moment. But there was a couple, couple things that we realized, a couple of observations that we made about the way that God moves. I would say on a broad stroke like look, that, that God works and God moves in, in really in two different ways. God moves in process and he moves in moments. He moves in processes and he moves in moments. And when we first looked at, at, at Cornelius' life, he's the, the guy in the beginning of the story that, that he was a faithful man. He's a Gentile kind of outside of the people of God. He, he, he kind of honored God, but kind of from a distance, didn't understand the gospel, didn't understand the truth of Jesus, didn't understand it all. And yet he was a God-fearing man. He prayed, 
He, he cared for people. He was generous. And because of his generosity, because of his prayer, one day in a time of prayer, an angel visited him and, and, and incredible things began to take place. What we saw in this story is that when we're faithful with the little things, like giving and prayer. And in fact, that's not just like preacher talk, like trying to twist arms to give and pray more. Like that's literally what the angel of God said. I'm here because God sent me because of your prayers and because of your faithful giving. That's pretty impressive. He was faithful in the little things. He was faithful in the process and God moved in his life. Some of us are like, I want to move of God. Okay, let's, let's be faithful in the things that he's given us. And so we, we, we learned that we need, if we want to experience God in, in the move of God in, in those mundane daily processes of life, that, that we need discipline for the process, right? How do we experience that? We need that discipline for the process. That's what Cornelius experienced. But here's another thing. God works in processes, but he also works in moments. That's, that's the cool thing about, about this story, right? So let, let's give a, a quick recap of the story. Cornelius, like we just said, we, so he, he gets his angel, angelic visitation. I, I don't know about you, I've never had an angel visit me like in my house before or anywhere for that matter, right? I've never had an angel visit me before. Um, but God saw Cornelius like, I'm going to move in this guy. I see his faithfulness in prayer. I see his faithfulness in giving, his generosity, his fear of God. Like, I'm going I'm to show up in a, in a special way in this moment, right? Because of the process of what God was doing in Cornelius' life, God showed up in a moment. God moved in a moment, and he sent this angel. And the angel said, hey, I want you to go get this guy. You don't know him. His name is Peter. Like, he's in another town. Uh, send some of your people to come get him. Um, he's got a word for you. And so they, they sent these guys to Peter. They gave all these very, very specific details and they went and got him. Well, it, it was about over a day's journey in order to get there. And uh, like, like Beth shared last week, um, Peter is praying. Again, he's faithful in the little things and God shows up in the moments. He's faithful in the process. He's disciplined to the, to the little things and God shows up, God moves in the moment. And all of a sudden he has this, this vision from heaven and it's this, these sheet coming down with unclean animals. And God said, don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. And then these Gentiles who are known as unclean show up at his house and God said, go with them. That's the only information they got. But he had this moment, this, this, this moment where this was unique. It was different. It was special. God just showed up and he went with them. It was uncomfortable. He didn't understand it, but he obeyed. So now we come to the point in our story in, in uh, Acts chapter 10, we're going to look through 20, verses 23 and 48. And, and it's interesting, a lot of it is really redundant because Peter shows up and Cornelius is there and Cornelius is prepared for him, right? So he was estimating how long it would take for his guys to go to Joppa, get Peter, bring him back, all that kind of stuff. And he had a crowd waiting. He was full of expectation. Um, and so he, he prepared and he's got all these people in his house, the wealthy guy. He's got a big house. He fills it up with people. He doesn't know what's going to happen, but an angel told him to go get this guy. And what he had to say was important. So I'm going to get everybody that I know gathered together and we're going to see what this is all about. And so could you imagine what that meeting was like? Peter shows up and Peter's like, Hey, I'm Peter. Cornelius is like, Hey, cool. Peter, what do you got? Peter's like, what do you mean, what do I got? Like, God told me to come here. Cornelius is like, I, I, I don't, what do we, why, why are you here? 
There's no instruction from God. This is so interesting to me. God didn't tell either one of them what to do. He just said, get together. And so they got there, and Cornelius had expectation, even in the text. I'm going to kind of paraphrase as we go through it. I encourage you to read it through later. But uh, he gets there, and, and Cornelius had the expectation that Peter was going to show up, and Peter would have received from God what he was supposed to tell Cornelius. Peter shows up with an expectation that Cornelius was going to give, or God, somebody, was going to give some more instruction about why he just abruptly left the place that he was to come here. None of that was laid out. So Peter, it's like, hey, there's this one time that Jesus said, go and make disciples. So and he said, preach the word. So like, you got people here. How about we just have church? Should we have church? Let's have church, all right? And, and he begins to preach. And the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit just, boom, happened. The, the Holy Spirit fell. And also they start speaking in other, other languages. And it was something like Peter brought a little posse of other Jewish believers with him. And, and they, they were observing, like, this is kind of like what happened in Acts 2. Like, but they're Gentiles. This isn't supposed to be happening like this. And the move of God hit. Peter's like, all right, I guess these Gentiles are like Christians now. Like, that's cool. Let's do this thing. Let's go get them baptized. And then they go get baptized. So here's the story. This is what is fascinating to me about this. We, we looked at the beginning, like there's these processes. And this, this process, you can look at a broad, broad look at like God slowly bringing the Gentiles to himself and revealing it to certain people, but working in people's lives to all build to this one moment. There was a process that led to a moment. And the pouring out of the Holy Spirit happened. And next thing you know, 2,000 years later, we're sitting here. For the most part, a bunch of Gentiles worshiping God and experiencing the fullness of what he has. Like the world was changed because of what happened right there through process and moment when God moved. So here's what I want us to look at. We looked at the process a couple weeks ago. I want to look at those holy moments. Like it's easy, like and it's interesting. Some of us, we, lo we love to like dig into the process. If I'm faithful and if I do the work, then God's going to show up and I'm just going to be faithful. I'm just going to do this. And we don't put a lot of stock in the moments. There's others who put a lot. I just need, I need that. I need that spark. I need that life. I need that moment. I need that kiss from heaven. I need that miracle. I need that. And, and, and we put that and we, and we sometimes forget that like you got to walk it out between moment to moment, right? There's a process between the moments. In fact, the moments are usually part of the process. But you, you can't really live life with one without the other on either side of it, okay? In fact, let's put it this way. Um, we need faithfulness in the process, but, but we also need expectation for those moments. I would put it this way. If, if, if those moments, those holy moments we're talking about, those moments that are different, in this story, it's angelic visitation, uh, vision from heaven, and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that produced speaking in tongues and, and other languages, right? Significant moments. Sometimes those moments that we've had with God are like that level significant, or wow, or, or awe factor. Sometimes they may not be as wow, but they're significant to me. They're significant to you. You know, you, many of you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Those moments that like God just, like you look back, like God touched you. Maybe it's the salvation, or maybe even though you were saved, maybe you had this moment with God where, where the, 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 flip, the switch was flipped and you realized, I'm not just a slave of God, I'm a child of God and I'm loved and like something changed in you. 
Maybe, maybe for some of you, it was a calling of God that God placed in your life, and you just like boom, came alive, and you realized, man, God has more for me. I mean, we have these moments. Maybe it's this time that like you, you, you knew that God was a provider, but then you saw it come through. You had this moment with God. Maybe it was a time, uh, a significant time. God baptized you with the Holy Spirit. You did speak in tongues and all those other things. Maybe you, God used you to, to lay hands on somebody to pray for them, and, and they were healed. Or God used you in another gift. Like You just had a word for this person, and you shared it, and they just started crying because, because you just spoke into something that there's no way you could have known about. Maybe, maybe that moment for you was, was a super spiritual, or maybe the super super mundane, but either way, God uses those moments in our lives in the process that he's, that he's working in us, but he's always moving. But here's the deal. Those moments are like, maybe this is a weird analogy for you, but it's like the romance in your marriage, right? If your, your marriage can't just be built on romance, right? That's not going to last very long. That'll be a quick flash and real exciting. And then, but at the end of the day, there needs to be faithfulness in the process of the daily, right? If you're not faithfully committed to the process of marriage, it's probably not going to last long. However, there's also the other danger on the other side of marriage, right? If it's all about just the faithful, I'm just going to love her because... It's easier than divorce. Um, you know what? There may be something lacking in there, that, right? That's not necessary. That's not healthy marriage. That's putting up with a roommate, right? And so you, you need both. You need the faithful commitment, the follow through, the daily, but you you can't avoid the, the romantic intimacy and, and date nights and all that goes with that. You need them both. And, and I believe when it comes to our relationship with God, there's the same thing. God, like if we're gonna last, go the long run, we have to have faithful commitment and follow through in our relationship. God is going to move in our lives as we are faithfully committed to him. In the same way, we're gonna have a healthy marriage as we, as we just faithfully serve our spouse, as we're faithful to them, as we live for them. But at the same time, there's, there's moments with God that he just wants to remind you, like, you remember why we fell in love? You, you, you remember when I first called your name? Yeah, I still feel that way about you. Hey, I'm, I'm just going to give you something, a little something just so you can remember that. Hey, I'm just going to reconcile this relationship that you thought was a lost cause just to remind you that I'm, I'm still at work. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal right here in a place where you thought this was it. I'm, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to provide for that thing. I'm, I'm going to have, maybe it's, it's nothing tangible. I'm just going to, overwhelm you with my love in this moment right now. As you begin to sing songs, there's going to be tears that are just going to flow down your eyes as you are overwhelmed with the love and the compassion and the grace of God. And you're going to just, boom, instantly just fall into a place of, of repentance and gratitude and you're going to be fuller than you've ever been. Why? Because he loves you. And the Christian faith isn't just about work. But it is work. Right? It's faithfulness. But then it's those moments. So I, I want to I look at the moments for a little bit. And the reason I share all of that before I even get there is because, again, if we, only, if we, make, if we make the Christian life about the faithful service, we miss something. If we make it all about the flash and the excitement, we miss something. Here's my observation. Those who chase holy moments tend to miss the holy life. But those who miss the holy moments tend to grow bored and tired of the holy life, right? 
God wants to bring both of those together and move in our lives and move in our hearts with this together. So here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about like if, if God moves in processes, we need discipline, we need faithfulness. But if God moves in moments, how, how do we prepare ourselves? What, what do we need to do? What do we need to really be able to experience God in those holy moments, if you will? I believe God wants to grow us in the area of expectation. He wants to give us a holy expectation that he's going to move in our hearts and our lives. Now, let me define that. Now, for some of you, like expectation, that's not really like a biblical term or anything. This, let, let, me just, let, me just, let me just frame this up for us here. Can we, can we do that here for a minute? When, we talk about, when I talk about expectation, what I'm really talking about is faith. It's just that faith has, at least in our English language, the way we use faith, it means like a lot of different things. Right? Faith can be as broad as, as, um, as like simply referring to whether or not you believe in a higher power. Are you a person of faith? Meaning, do you believe in things that science can't, produ- can't produce? Right? Like that's, it, okay, you, you're, oh, you're a person of faith? Okay, what's your faith? Are you Buddhist or Hindu or Christian or Muslim or like, what is your faith, right? Faith is this word that, that, that's uh, used as a general term to define our, our belief system, which I believe, I believe is, has affected the way that we understand the biblical term faith in a few of the stories of the Bible, okay? I believe there's a, there's a number of places in the scripture, maybe all of them, probably not all of them, but there's a number of places in scripture where the word faith is used in our English Bible, where a better word to help at least me understand what's actually happening there is expectation. Where's your expectation? Where's your faith? This is what I'm talking about. Um, there's a couple of different scenarios. Remember when Jesus, he, he did this a number of times. He looked at his disciples. This would just be, this would be embarrassing, really. He looked at his disciples and was like, oh, you have little faith. Like they literally left everything to follow him. Everything. And he looks at him like, you, you little faith. Sometimes he's like, do you still have no faith? Thanks, Jesus. Right? He wasn't questioning their belief system. He wasn't saying, are you kidding me? You don't believe I'm the Messiah anymore? Do you not believe in, in, in Yahweh, God? Like he wasn't questioning that. What was he questioning? He was questioning the level of their expectation that God would move in that moment. So for instance, here's some scripture. Matthew chapter six. Jesus is talking about, and it's his, his classic Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about how God clothes the lilies of the field and, or lilies, yeah, lilies of the field and the birds of the air. He says, won't he also clothe you? And then he, he, he finishes that off with, oh, you of little faith. What's he saying? Like, you don't expect that I'm going to take care of you? Matthew 16, 8. He says, you have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Right? Both these situations, separate situations, uh, separate moments, but he's talking about the same thing. Like, don't you know? Why, why wouldn't you expect that I would take care of you? Why are you worrying? Where's your expectation? I'm, I know you know I'm God. Jesus wasn't questioning that. I know you know I'm God. I know you believe in the Father. I know you believe that he's the creator of all things. But why wouldn't you expect that he would take care of your basic needs? Oh, you have little faith. 
When he talks about faith, he's talking about expectation. Or here's another kind of category that he uses that in. In Matthew chapter 14, right, Peter's walking on water. Like he's walking on water. Like that's crazy, right? And then he says, you, he starts to sink, right? He looks around, he starts to doubt, he starts to sink. And then he says, oh, you have little faith. <laughs> Again, there's a storm and Peter's walking on water. And like for a moment, he looks away and he starts to sink. And Jesus' first words to him are like, ah, you don't have the faith to do it, right? Like what, what is that? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He knew he was God. He was walking on water for crying out loud. But he lost the expectation that God was going to see him through it. Or, or uh, how about this one? Mark 4. Um, this is the last one I'll use. Jesus is asleep on the boat. And the storm comes up and he's still asleep. He must have been super tired. And so he's sleeping on the boat. And the disciples come to him. And, and, and this is what the disciples say. Don't you care that we're going to drown? Which I think is funny. Like they had already decided we're dying here. Like we better wake up Jesus so we can at least know he's dying with us. I don't know why they woke him up. But don't you care that we're going to drown? Like the writing's on the wall. We're dead. You're sleeping. What good are you? And Jesus gets up. And he rebuked the wind and the waves. The sea went still. And he says this. Why are you so afraid? Duh, we're about to die. Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no expectation whatsoever that I'm going to deliver you? Do you, do you not think? Why, why wouldn't you expect that I would move in this moment? You see, I believe that if the disciples would have come to Jesus, I don't think they needed to like have a picture. Or, okay, we're going to call Jesus. He's going to stand up. He's going to say these words. He's going to wave his hands. The sea is going to calm. I don't think he, they, he didn't need them to know everything he was going to do. But I believe that if they would have come to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you don't show up here, we will die. Jesus, this storm, we're professional fishermen. We're professionals in the boat. But this storm is greater than our skill level and this will capsize us, we will die unless you do something about us. But I believe you can. So Jesus, will you please wake up and change this? See, Jesus didn't need them to know everything he was going to do. But I believe that if they would have come to Jesus like that, he'd have got up, done the same thing, and said, man, you have great faith. The difference is the expectation. So again, I'm going to say, I'm going to say right here, if, if we want to experience a move of God in those specific moments in our lives, we've got to learn, we need to learn a holy expectation that God is going to show up in the moments that we need him. And some of us who are like so full of faith, we're like, amen, yeah, let's go. Let's full of faith expectation. Some of the realists in the room were just like, yeah, that's kind of, I don't know about that. Bear with me for a little bit. Just trust me for a little bit. Let's, let's see if we can't find some understanding in this. So I want to look at this story. I want to look at Cornelius and Peter and, and what's going on in Acts chapter 10. I want to look at this. What holy expectation does? What holy expectation does. First, first, first of all, holy expectation grows in prayer. It grows in prayer. And when I say it grows in prayer, I don't mean like when I bring my laundry list to God, then like my expectation grows. Sometimes I bring my long laundry list to God and it's just like I, I become more depressed 
because I'm like, there's so much need in this world. How can God possibly answer all of this stuff? Anybody else ever like started prayer like that? Like, God, I'm praying for this and I'm praying, oh yeah, and I'm for, oh, for about this and about, oh, okay, God, and then there's this and there, okay, I gotta, and your list just gets longer. You're like, God, I don't even, my, somehow I'm coming to God and I'm praying to you, but like my faith is lessening while I'm praying because the world is just a messed up broken place. This isn't the kind of prayer I'm talking about. I'm talking about, and, and I'm talking about like time in his presence prayer. I'm talking about the kind of prayer where you just come to God, and, and yes, you can bring your request. He asked for your request. We asked for your request. We're going to pray for those things all week long. We want to list those things. We want to pray for them. We're going to believe with expectation that God's going to move in each and every one of those situations. However, what builds our expectation is when we just quiet our hearts and our minds and our schedules and the things around us and our environment, we say, God, just remind me that you're here right now. God, remind me that I'm not alone. It's the kind of prayer where you don't get lost in the need. It's the kind of prayer where you take a big deep breath and you just rest. To some of you, that's new. Like, I don't even know what that, to do in that. Good. Pract yes, I'm going to practice this week. You don't need words. God, I'm here. God, I love you. God, what's in your heart today? God, I believe you're with me. Which means I, I know in everything I walk into today, every meeting I walk into, every relationship that I'm in, every conversation that I have, God, I, I know you've ordained it. So Father, help me see you in the little things. God, I want, I want to serve the people I'm around today. God, show me, God, show me what you're doing in each person's life, if you will, that I could speak encouragement into them. You notice how I got here supernaturally? Just by relaxing and saying, God, I, I just want to focus my attention on you. I didn't have to come up with the right words because when I find myself in the presence of God, when I find myself in the presence of God, like, it is, I, I, I just, I, the more time I spend with him, the greater awareness I have that he's there. And, and, and there's some of us, like, we get out of church on Sunday. Maybe you're a Sunday and Wednesday person or however it is. You get out of church and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm jazzed up and I'm so aware that God is with me. And then you wake up Monday morning and forget all about it, right? I, I get it. Like, I, 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 I get it. But you can be reminded that God is with you every day multiple times a day, throughout the day, as we just step back from whatever is in front of us, like, God, you're here right now. You're here. You invite God into the moment that you're in, in that, in that place. I know I've referenced this again, and, and I, I encourage you, especially if you want to grow in this area, there's this app that I use. It's called uh, Pause, the Pause app. Find it. It gives like guided prayers. One minute, three minute, five minute, ten minute. Or you just sit and just like, okay, let me just practice like just reflecting on, on God and what he's doing in the world and what he's doing in my life. It's helpful to me. Great if it's helpful to you. But if not, the main 
point is we gotta, we got to spend time in his presence. God, whatever you want. Because expectation grows in his presence, right? So the more time I'm with him, the greater awareness I have of his presence, the greater awareness I have of his presence, the greater expectation I have that he is actually going to do something. The greater expect, like if I'm not even aware that he's here, I'm not expecting God to move in my workplace. I'm not expecting God to work in my family. I'm not expecting God to work in my, and move in my conflicts. But it, the more I spend in God's presence, the more I'm aware of his presence, the more I expect God to move expectation grows in prayer. Here's another thing that expectation does. Expectation motivates us to action. You see, when we talk about faith, when we talk about expectation, expecting God to move in those moments, in those specific ways, like, here's the deal. Like, sometimes we think like, okay, I'm praying in faith. I'm believing that God's going to do something. I'm going to sit on my couch until he does it. Like, I just don't think that's like how God rolls. Now, I, I, I also am not like, like God helps those who help themselves, right? Like that's, that's not it either. Like it, it starts with God, it, it, it continues with God, it ends with God, right? Like it's all him. But, but here's the deal. When we're expecting God to move, oftentimes, and okay, all the time, he's given us commands. He's told us what to do. He wants to see if we're faithful with what he's already given us. Like expectation is about so much more than saying, like a, saying a prayer and passively waiting until God just like does something miraculous. If you want to hear, if you want to make sure that you hear God's voice next time, you better act on what he told you this time. Right? Listen to what Cornelius did. Cornelius has a, 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 like an angel comes and visits him. The angel gives him instruction. Hey, go get Peter. And instantly he acts on it. Listen, Cornelius would have never experienced the move of God that God really wanted to do in his life if he wouldn't have acted on what God spoke to him the first time. There's some of us that like God has spoken to your heart, maybe about like speaking out in a certain area, maybe about an area of your life that you need to like submit to him, maybe about a, a way that you need to serve the people around you. Who knows what it is, but God has spoken to your heart and you're waiting for something else and he's waiting for you to be faithful with what he's already given. For some, maybe like, oh, I don't know what God has spoken. All right, then do what Cornelius did the first time before he ever heard from the angel. What did he do? He was faithful in the little things. He faithfully prayed. He faithfully was generous with his money. Like, do be faithful in the little things. And God will move in your life in a greater way. Guarantee it. We're obedient to the things he's already asked of us and then await his next instruction. He will speak. He will move. We've got to be obedient with what he's given us now. All right, so... We see that expectation grows in prayer. Expectation motivates us to action. Here, here's another one, and this could maybe be like a sub-point to this last one, but I think it's, it's weighty enough to stand on its own two feet. Expectation overflows into invitation. You see, so, so Cornelius acted right away. The angel spoke to him. He sent the people just like he was told, or he sent his messengers to go get Peter. They brought him back. But listen, when Peter showed up, Cornelius was ready. And by ready, it didn't mean he was just like, all right, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Like, because he expected God to move and God to speak, because there was clearly something supernatural happening and about to happen, because he had great expectations were always going to happen when Peter showed up. 
the most logical thing that he knew to do was to get everybody he knew and loved to be able to be a part of what God was about to do. But it was because he was expecting God to do something. There's some of us, again, this goes way beyond this, but this is just where I'm going to start. There's some of us who have never invited an, an unbeliever to church, and it's largely due to the fact that you don't really expect that God is going to do something in their life. I expect that when the church gathers in a room like this or in a house church once a month or over coffee in some morning sometime, that when, when the church gathers, God is there. And when God shows up, people's hearts and lives are impacted by it in some ways that are very tangible and very obvious and very upfront, in some ways that are very quiet, very unknown, and very behind the scenes. But he's going to show up. Friends, I believe God wants to build and increase our level of expectation that God is going to move in the moments, starting with the moments that we gather, that God is going to move in these moments and that People's lives will be changed because of it. I'm constantly convicted that like, I believe that God has life for me. Do I believe that God has life for those who don't yet believe in him? He does. And if I really believed it, if we really believed it, there, it would just, I believe, I firmly believe, if we believe that God wants to radically change people's lives for their betterment and for his glory, then man, we'd be, We'd be inviting everybody we knew. It's exactly what Cornelius did. Like, like expectation overflows into invitation. He filled the place. You know, it's funny. Like, you ever see somebody who's acting not very Christian and, um, and like, you're just so put off by it and you make that joke like, I do need Jesus, right? Like, I saw some drivers this week. I was just like, man, that guy needs Jesus, Right? And we say it as a joke, but what, what if we believed it? What if we stopped getting angry at people who need Jesus and we started seeing that they just need Jesus? What if we stop getting frustrated with the world that rejects the values that are represented in the Bible and we started loving them? and expecting that God was going to move in them and through you to impact their life? What if, what if like our level of expectation met the level of like what God wanted to do in people's lives? God will move and lives will be changed. Okay, now here, here's, here's, here's what I say. Like a good place to start you know, there's a lot of people I know that are like, I just struggle sharing my faith with people. I get that. It's, it's not just a lack of expectation. It's, it, there's the social fears and the, the, the expect, like, what do people think and, and, and all what happens to the relationship. I understand all of that, right? So I'm, I don't want to oversimplify it. I get it. But invitation is a really easy first step. Invite somebody to church who does not believe in God or a believer who, who needs to be connected to, to the life of Christ. Invite somebody to church. But it's, it's not just about church. Because the next level of invitation, I believe, is that like invite somebody to pray for them. 
Some of you are like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Like, I, I can talk about faith or whatever. Like, here's the next level of invitation. If you're going to expect God to move and that overflows into expectation, one of the things that it can overflow or into invitation, one of the things we can do is we invite people like, can I, can, can I just pray for you now? Like, it's cool to say, hey, man, I'm going to pr- be praying for you about this. <laughs> but how many of you have ever like asked an unbeliever, hey, can, can I just, do you mind if I just pray for you right now? It's amazing what will happen in people's hearts and lives. They might say no. Most say yes. Can I pray for you? The expectation that God is here and he's real and he doesn't just live in the four walls of the church, but he lives within every single believer. So I can invite them not just to church, but I can invite them to church right there in my front yard. And then maybe that's an invitation into spiritual conversation. But expectation, if we believe that God is going to move, it overflows into invitation. Now, here's, here's the last thing that I believe that expectation does. And this is actually kind of the opposite of that. Expectation doesn't always know what to expect. Some of you are like, this guy's nuts. Well, that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> Remember Cornelius and Peter? They each had big expectations. Cornelius, man, this guy, Peter, I'm sure he's heard from God. He's got a message for me. Peter shows up. Why am I here? Dang. <laughs> Peter doesn't know. Like, he, but here's the thing. They both have such high expectation. Were they wrong? Were they disappointed? No, they had the expectation that God was going to move. They didn't have the expectation of exactly how he was going to do it. Or they kind of had a little bit, but they were wrong. And here is where I think that sometimes we in the church, we, we get this kind of mixed up. And this is, this is a little bit touchy, a little bit, but I hope we can get the heart of this, okay? I, there are moments where I believe we are called to pray with specificity. Pray what you know is in alignment with the will of God. Sometimes we go like, God, whatever your will, like here's a prayer request. Oh yeah, God, your will be done in that. Here's another prayer request. Your will be done in that. Now, nah, come on, let's take some authority as believers and pray that God's will would be done in those situations like in a specific way. However, there's a lot of times when it comes to this like spirit of expectation, again, like these, these stories of faith, I don't think Jesus needed the disciples to know exactly what he was gonna do. He didn't tell them, you need to know how I'm going to provide your clothes. You just need to have expectation that I got you covered. You don't need to know how I'm going to save us from the storm. You just need to expect that I got you covered. You don't need to know what is going to happen when Cornelius and Peter meet, but you just need to expect that God's going to move and it's going to be good, right? Sometimes we tie our expectations to specific actions and then that's where disappointment comes in. Are you okay with the ambiguity of the, the power of God? God, I believe that you're going to move and it's going to be for my good and your glory. I just don't have a clue what you're up to right now. Are we okay with that? Can we allow our faith to rise to the level of saying, man, God is moving. It's going to be good. He's going to touch my heart today. And I don't know how he's going to work through me. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm expecting for God to show up and it's going to be awesome. I have no idea what he's going to do though. Right, like if you were, let's say you're a big LeBron James fan and you got tickets to the game and it's going to be amazing and you're like ready to go, 
right? And you show up, you show up with these expectations. Dude, I'm here. I have never seen him play. This is going to be great. He's going to drop 50 points. I'm, you know what I'm, I heard? I heard I heard that he's getting ready to, to break out a three-point dunk. It's going to be amazing. 50 points, three-point dunk. It's going to be the best. Listen, listen, listen. He's probably not, okay? And so... Maybe the Lakers win by a landslide, and LeBron has 40, and he only dunked from the free throw line like a chump, and you're disappointed. Rather than the person who shows up at that same exact game and says, every time he's in the building, something exciting happens, and I can't wait to see it. The expectation is there, And you know it's going to be good. And you're just kind of like sitting back going like, oh, this is going to be so good. Listen, friends, how much more with with God? What if we came? What if we showed up at church? What if we showed up at work? What if we showed up in our families? What if we showed up in our neighborhoods? And we said like, every time God's in the building, something good happens and I can't wait to see what it is. What if we allowed our expectation? Okay, now we'll, we'll, we'll throw in our church words or Bible terms, what if we allowed our faith? Not our God exists faith, our expectation to rise to the level of what God wanted to do in people's hearts and lives. You don't need to know what it is. Can we just live eyes wide open in full expectation that God wants to do something? Friends, I believe today, right here today, God wants to do something in your heart, in your life. I believe there's some people here that you've been far from God, but you're here in church, at crossroads, on a a Sunday morning, and and God's going to save your life right here and now. He's going to adopt you into his family. Listen, it's okay to put put out some expectation because when he's in the room, it's going to be good. You can expect that he's going to be exactly what you need where you're at. Maybe you're a a believer and you're just feeling weighed down. Let me tell you, you can expect that God can handle your mess. You can expect that, that as you take a big, deep breath and let go of the struggles and let go of the worries and let go of the anxiety, that your world is not going to fall apart, but that he is going to catch you right where you're at. You can expect it every time. Maybe you feel called. There's a calling of God on your life for something specific. Listen, friends, you can expect today that God is going to give you instructions for the next step if you're faithful with the step he's placed you in right now. You can expect it. God moves. Maybe you're just feeling dry. Shoot, this could be for all of us. And we just need to be reminded that, man, I, 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 I struggle. I, I don't have any expectation right now. I'm just at church. Like, that's it. I'm just at church. Could we be disciplined in the little things like prayer? Not in the work prayer, but the rest prayer. Both are good. Both are appropriate. Both have their time. But can we just... 
Some of us just need to be honest with God. Listen, we don't got our junk together. I get it. Will you just be honest with him? God, I I am just coasting. We're talking about a move of God. I'm just like trying to get through church. God, would you just remind me you're here? Just for starters, just remind me you're here. Be honest with them. God, I want to expect big things from you, but I just, I just, I need you to refresh my heart. Before I can experience a move of God, I just need to wake up. Friends, God wants to move in your heart, in your life today, this week, this month, this year. God wants to change you. That's not not something we need to be afraid of because when he moves, he works for your good and his glory every time. Sometimes it's uncomfortable like Beth shared last week, but it is always for your good and his glory. Friends, we need to move with God. But if we want to see God move, we, we got to be faithful in the process, yes. But we're going to remind it, it's not just about grunt work for God's kingdom. He wants to just give you a kiss from heaven to remind you, hey, I love you. I'm working in you. I'm not done with you yet. There's still more. Oh, you think you've got it all. There's still more. You think you got me figured out, there's still more. There's more hope, there's more healing. There's more life, there's more freedom. We need God to move. Father God, we praise you and we thank you that you are a God who cares so so graciously for us. We don't deserve it. God, I thank you that you are not a taskmaster demanding religious piety, demanding perfection and religious works. No, because you are a God who loves us, who calls us to faithfulness, but also delights in blessing his children. Father, would you move in our hearts and our lives? Would you grow our expectation? our faith. God, you're here. And you want to touch people today. You're here. And you're going to work in people's lives. You're going to open eyes. You're going to call people to areas that they've never since called before. You're going to speak clearly. God, we believe that. Would you move? <laughs> we believe that you're moving. God, teach us to raise our level of expectation that we could see you in significant ways in our lives. We love you, Lord. And so we just wait here in your presence. Speak to your people. Have your way in us. 
In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.